Well, good morning. Welcome this morning. Uh, I want to just to your attention. Good to see you all. Uh, we, I don't have a microphone, so I'm going to use my uh, loud voice, uh, and uh, hopefully that'll work. Um, this is uh, ethics. So if you're looking for a different class, I don't know where that is, but this, if you're here, this is for ethics. And um, I'm not sure how it was advertised in the bulletin. I, I want to call this starting points for ethics. Okay, so, um, and I'll, and I'll kind of develop that a little bit, uh, what I mean by that, starting points for Christian ethics. So my name is Paul Simpson. If you don't know me, I serve as one of the elders here and am glad to dive into uh, a study of ethics uh, what, what I mean by a st- starting points is that I want to, for the next, and this is probably going to be the next eight or ten weeks, uh, I want to lay a foundation, uh, a gospel, biblical, philosophical foundation for ethics. Uh, if you were thinking that you would come this morning and we would dive right into uh, ethical issues like transgenderism and euthanasia, we're not going to do that yet, okay? So uh, I, I want to lay a foundation for that, thinking through uh, just some, some biblical, uh, philo- biblical theology and some philosophy of ethics before we get into actually what I would call applied ethics. So applied ethics is taking what we know from Scripture, and what does it mean to think about Scripture in light of euthanasia, in light of transgenderism, in light of environmental, whatever it is, okay? So um, that's what I mean by starting points, to lay a foundation for future study. And um, this will probably be, like I said, this fall. So Lord willing, we'll see what next spring looks like if we would get into actually topical studies. Um, Thinking about Imago Dei, the nature of man. Thinking about... Uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, those sorts of things I, I, I hope to get to, but uh, I don't think we'll be doing much of that yet. So, but I hope that it's not a, a boring thing either. I want to be able to think through these things well. So uh, let's, uh, just some housekeeping. Some people have asked me, so what, like, are there books to use? What books are we going to use? Are we going to read the book? Uh, you already have the book. It's in your hand. If you brought the Bible, that is the textbook that we're going to be using. I'm actually using, for my own purposes, I'm using, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a professor by the name of Wayne Grudem. He wrote a, a big uh, a theology, a systematic theology. He, he also wrote uh, Christian Ethics. So you can see um, it's, a, it's a pretty thick book. Uh, it's not required reading, but this is what I am using uh, for my study, and then I'm also, I've just discovered this, not this author, but this book, David Wells, uh, if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with David Wells, he was, I'm not sure if he still is, a professor at Gordon-Conwell out on the East Coast, and he wrote a book called Losing Our Virtue, Why the Church, Why the Church Must Recover Its Moral Vision. And I've been, I'm being helped by that as sort of a supplement to, this is an academic work, uh, and uh, this is a little bit more of a, a cultural, thinking about ethics from a cultural, but how does the church, how is the church involved 
with ethics. And so my desire for this class is not that it's become some academic exercise, but that it is ethics for the church, ethics for you personally, for me personally, um, and not just ethical theory. Okay, so I want it to be practical. I want it to be applicable. Uh, and so um, that's sort of a little bit of an introduction. For the next eight or ten weeks, uh, I'll just kind of give you an overview of some of the topics uh, that we'll explore. Today's an introduction. Next week will be the basis of ethics, our ultimate authority. What is our ultimate authority? As you're talking about ultimate issues, ultimate authority. Following week, our source for ethical standards, and we'll ask, by what standard? How do we determine ethical standards? Where do they come from? Uh, the following will be the goal of ethics or the goals of ethics. Uh, why do ethics? Uh, following that, motive for ethics. Uh, and this is really motives for obedience. I'm going to be talking a lot about obedience. That's, that's actually what ethics is, is obedience to what God is calling us to do. So the joys and blessings for uh, ethics and obedience Think about moral decision-making. How do we start to think through uh, these bigger issues, these cultural issues, ethical issues? How do I begin to make a framework and think through Scripture so that I can make these ethical decisions? I want to actually think about, this is going to be late in the fall here, but uh, this uh, situation called an impossible moral conflict where it seems as though you are confronted with the le- you're confronted with two evils and you have to choose the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Do- is that a thing? Is that real? Is there so- uh, will we ever as Christians have to choose the lesser of two evils in an ethical situation? I want to explore that. Oh, it's it's fascinating and I, I had not learned it until I was studying this from Wayne Grudem. Um, are there is there is there is the only possible decision an evil decision, a wrong decision. I mean, I've got these two choices, and so I want to I want to think through that. And then finally, uh, uh, we'll get into how do we think through even the Old Testament as New Testament Christians. How do we think through the Old Testament for guidance? We are New Testament, New Covenant believers. Does do the Ten Commandments apply? How do we think through these things? That's going to be late here in the fall. So. That's kind of, a, that's kind of the, the trajectory of where we're headed, and uh, that's my, my desire. Um, along with that, just some, some of my own personal goals for myself as I'm studying this, as we're, we're thinking through this, my desire for you, as I said, ethics for the church, um, as... As an elder, as a pastor, I have a, I have a desire for, for our people to love the Word, right, and love the Lord. And so uh, would our behavior be consistent with what we say we believe? So does our behavior follow all the things that we talk about? We, well, I believe this, I believe this, but does my behavior actually follow that? Do I actually do what I say I believe? Obedience, right? Um, that we would be biblical before we're cultural. We're swimming in this messy culture, and how much of that is 
influenced even our thinking. We think we're thinking biblically. We think we're thinking the way God would have us. And how much of that has been influenced? How much of our thinking has been influenced by a faulty culture, a false, a pagan, a godless culture? So I want to be biblical before we're cultural. Right? I don't want to take cues from the culture. I want to learn from Scripture and be willing and ready to jettison my own faulty assumptions. If I have faulty assumptions about right and wrong, I want to jettison those. I want to, I want to be biblical. And that truth uh, would be convictional. Okay? So I think we're all pretty clear on things like abortion. Um, it's maybe that's convictional to the deepest part of our, the core of our being. We understand that. But some other ethical issues might be sort of instinctive to us, maybe assumed. Uh, we might have a general knowledge or general understanding, but it's not like convictional. Like I am convinced and convicted of this from a biblical worldview, big biblical standpoint. So that's what I want to be. I want to be convictional, not just assuming, not just instinctive. Okay. Um, and so along with thinking through, this isn't, uh, this is laying a philosophy, it's laying a theology, biblical foundation. So you may have had a college ethics class, um, that's, that talked about all these different ethical theories, Kantian ethics, utilitarianism, uh, narrative ethics, virtue ethics, uh, evolutionary ethics, situational ethics, behavioral ethics, natural law ethics. We're not really going to get into those. I, I, want, I want to do biblical ethics. Uh, those are, it's good in, in the sense that you learn how every, because people, people who don't have a biblical worldview, people who don't think God's thoughts after him, Psalm 73, uh, they're trying to figure out how you do right and wrong without any authority. Well, what's our authority? Uh, and so is it Kant? Is it, is it the, the greatest Good for the greatest number, you know, it's utilitarian. Is it, is it be good just because for goodness sake, virtue ethics? Is, is it just about what I, who I am as I do, regardless of the, the results of my decision? Is it just to be good? There's all sorts of moral, ethical theories. I, I don't know that we're going to get into a lot of those. We may touch on that. I want to be biblical first, okay? So that's my that's my my hope and my my goal my ch- I'm chiefly concerned about personal ethics, my own personal ethics um, my own sanctification, my own personal holiness I'm concerned about that for our church, and so that's the the direction I want to go okay so just an overview Let's turn in our Bibles uh, to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, you're very familiar with this. I want to start in verse 34. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. And then we'll have a word of prayer. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for an opportunity to gather as your people, to learn and to think about your word. And in the next hour, certainly to come and worship uh, in spirit and in truth. I thank you for a day that we can do this, a day that you have um, set aside for us. Father, I pray that you would help us as we think about ethics this morning, help us as we think about even this text right here in Matthew, in our own hearts, um, as we love you and as we love others. pray that it would become more and more true of us, that it would become more a part of who we are. I pray that you would help us in this journey here over the next eight or ten weeks. You'd give us wisdom, you'd give us grace to think through uh, sometimes challenging um, issues, challenging things that are going on in our culture, and how might Scripture apply to those? How can we be biblical in our understanding? So, Lord, I ask for your favor in that way. Pray your help in that. Pray for those who are here as they consider these things, that it would be encouraging and um, a joy to consider uh, ethics from your perspective. So we love you. We thank you uh, for all that you uh, have given us this day, this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I started there in Matthew for a reason, because I think this gets to the heart of ethics. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. Some versions say strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you have a vertical... Right? You see this vertical aspect, love for God and our, in, in our very being. Uh, you, you actually have with your heart and with your soul, your soul and with your mind. So as we think about these things, as we apply them to our hearts and our soul, we would love. So you have this vertical aspect and then you have and you shall love your neighbor. That's ethics, loving God and loving others. How do, I, how do I do that? How am I to do uh, that well? And so I, I want that to be a theme. So as we, come, as we come to Scripture, as we talk about, and again, it's probably next semester, next spring, but as we talk about difficult things, um, what does it mean to love God in this, whatever issue it is, whatever ethical issue this is, in obedience to Him, and what does it mean to love my neighbor? Um, so just a quick, a quick example of as we, you know, go straight to it, right? Uh, you, you talk about pronouns. This, our culture talks a lot about pronouns and the proper, uh, what, what pronouns people prefer to be called based on, not on their necessary biological sex, and I'll use that term correctly, sex, not gender, their mm-hmm. biological sex, um, and so, what does it mean to love someone who's asking you to use a pronoun that does not, is not follow their biological sex? And it is to speak the truth in love. 
to be loving is to speak what is true about this person because they have been made in the image of God as male or female, right? And I will, we, we are called to speak the truth. What is true about this person? Not what do they want, what do they desire, but what is true? Um, and that's love. Uh, it, the culture doesn't say that that's love. Culture says that that's actually hate. Um, and part of um, what David Wells is doing in this book is saying that, um, I'm paraphrasing, but he says we have not, it's like we're not, the church isn't strange anymore. We should be, we should be different than the culture. And, and I'm not speaking necessarily of this, our local expression here of Faith Community Church, but I think the church, the evangelical church, it's not strange. We've, they've capitulated to the culture. We've adopted cultural trends. And uh, there's not a distinction. In fact, let me read to you. This is a, 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 just a little paragraph uh, that I think gets to the heart of this. So he's thinking about after, after World War II, the post-war years, uh, sort of this nice, nostalgic, uh, things were going well. Uh, isn't Christianity wonderful? Isn't America wonderful? All of, all of this. It seems like it's a great place. It would be a mistake to think, though, that a golden age has passed or that the flow of events has only been downhill. Right? If we can look still further back to the early post-war years and compare this, this day with that, so you compare today with that. By the way, this was written in 1998, so it's, it's actually kind of old and it's a bit prophetic about what he's saying. But he says, compare today, 1998, to uh, the post-war years. And uh, it will soon be discovered that evangelicals today do indeed enjoy many of the fruits of success. In many ways, they are better off than they were then. Evangelical churches have grown in number and in size. Ministries have been developed that did not exist. Scholars abound. Libraries have been expanded. Seminaries are numerous. Politicians take note of the evangelical vote, right? Uh, uh, and theological liberalism that looked so formidable then looks quite forlorn now. And I don't know about, I think it's worse today, but in 1998, maybe not. And along with this astounding growth, indeed, we might say even uh, conquest, there is nevertheless, now listen to this, a hollowing out of evangelical conviction, a loss of the biblical word in its authoritative function. An erosion of character to the point that today no discernible ethical differences are evident in behavior when those claiming to have been reborn and secularists are compared. Is there a difference? Do we stand out as people who are following the truth and, it, and we look strange? We look different than the culture. Um, and I think that gets to the heart of uh, some of my, my hope for us as a church. Or my hope for the church, the true church in America, um, to be re-reformed. Uh, um, all right. So that's just all introduction. So here we go. I, I didn't say this at the beginning. I would like this to be sort of a seminar. I know we have a lot of people here. Um, I don't, these aren't going to be sermons. These might be somewhat lectures, but I also want to have some dialogue and some interaction. Okay. So I'm going to start out by asking a question, and this, this means that you would have to sort of call out what, you, <laughs> what your thoughts are. And you haven't thought yet. This is, it's early in the morning, so we need to kind of get our brains going. 
uh, as you just think about ethics, I just we need to start with a definition. Okay, so let's start with definitions. When you think about ethics, what would be a definition of ethics? Any thoughts? And I wish that I had a whiteboard right here and not uh, so far wide there, but um, we'll, we'll see how this works. Any thoughts on a definition of ethics or any concepts that would include ethics? Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing. Okay? And we'll get, we'll get several of these. Conforming to legitimate authority. Okay, so you have doing right... And I, I tried this. I sat, I looked, I was over there, and I decided, can they see all the way over here? You can barely see. <laughs> all right. Doing right. Uh, conforming to authority. Okay. Good. What else? A definition I learned in college that I think was helpful. Uh, a disciplined reflection on thinking towards acting. A disciplined, say that again? Yeah, a disciplined reflection on thinking toward acting? Okay, so I want to I wanna think through. So doing, and I'll bring this out. So there's acting, there's action. There's a reflection on that. You're thinking through what is the proper way to act? What are the, what's the right way to act? Good. What else? There's some standard. Standard, okay. So you know, this is where we're getting with this, with authority. What is the standard? What am I trying to line up with in my actions? Good. What else? Thinking and reacting biblically. Okay. So, acting, thinking, so reflecting is what Logan, uh, and it's biblically. So, you're, you're bringing in a standard over here that, all right, biblical. Biblical standards, biblical authority. Behavioral discipline. Okay, behavior. Um, and, and discipline. I don't have discipline up there. Uh, consistency um, in the way that I act and the things that I do in my behavior. This is good. You know, you know more ethics than you think, right? Um, here's, these are dictionary definitions, but th- th- this gets to some of what you're saying. A study of moral principles and standards. Okay, so you guys already have this. Standards. A system of moral principles. So a word that I'm starting to use that hasn't, isn't up here yet is moral. Morals, morality. Well, I need, we need to, we're going to talk about the difference between, is there a difference between ethics and morality? Uh, the science of moral philosophy, teaching duty and reasons for it. So doing right, uh, duty, the obligation, rules of conduct, something that hasn't been said yet. Well, doing right, so opposite of right. Wrong. So you're thinking of right and wrong. Rightness and wrongness. One that I had seen is uh, theology lived out. Theology lived out. So what do I believe? 
And then am I going to be, you know, are we going to be uh, biblical? Is our behavior going to be consistent with what we believe? So theology lived out. Think of the Proverbs. Proverbs are full of ethics, right? Um, all of these ethical, ethical truths and then living them out. This moral application of wisdom. Okay. Is it? One, yeah. One final thought that sure. I think is important we don't miss. It's not just honoring a standard, but it's a relationship with our covenant Lord. It's personal. It's not just impersonal. Yeah. Um, I, I just I have this in my head, and it's going to be an introduction about three weeks from now. But I'm going to say it <laughs> is. Um, Doing the right thing, the only thing, is doing the right thing, the only thing. And I think is what Brother Gary is, is part of what gets into this question is, I can do the right thing, but where is, is there a relationship, is there a reason, is there a love for my Lord and a desire to please Him? That goes along with that, or am I just doing? Am I just gutting it out, gritting it out, doing the right thing, but I hate it? Uh, or is my heart uh, in line with actual my actual actions because I have a relationship? So see if you'll remember that in about three weeks when we come back to that. We'll ask it again. Is there a difference? Uh, so so I'll put relationship up here because this could be get, this could get very academic, right? Uh, so, relationship. In fact, this, uh, again, David Wells, speaking of virtue, he said it used to be that virtue um, was known in its context. Right? So, if I'm an honorable person, the virtue of honor, if I'm an honorable person, I, people only know me as an honorable person because in the context of my life, the way I relate to other people in context defines that virtue, right? We've divorced virtue from context, and now it's, it's this nebulous sort of, it, it doesn't mean much. Well, I want to get into virtue uh, down the road, but um, let me ask this. Is there a difference? Well, for our purposes, there is, but I want to think through what is the difference between ethics and morality? Ethics and morality. Ethics and morality. Is there a difference? I, I want to make a nuance. I think there is, but I want to hear if, if you can think of what is morality? Is it the same thing? Well, I guess you can, you can have ethics, but not morals. Yeah, so moral, immoral, so we're thinking of, okay, good, bad, right, wrong, quick, evil, righteous. Um, Does it have to do with being morality divorced from, like, the relationship, like what Gary was saying? Because you can be moral, like, but if you do the right things and you're not doing it because of a relationship, 
five minutes because there's a disconnect. Okay. Um, and I'm hearing it's doing. Uh, the actual playing out of my, the actions. Okay. What I, want, what I would like to do, just for the purposes of this class, now some scholars and some ethicists and so forth will say there's really not much of a difference. Um, I like to think of ethics as the standard. Okay? Ethics is the standard, and then morality is, conf- is conformity or not to the standard. Okay? So that which conforms to the standard is moral. Um, We can say it this way. Where where ethics is telling me what I ought to do, okay, morality is saying what is happening. Okay, so whether it conforms to the standard or not, it's, it's what is. It's descriptive of what is actually happening. Um, here's the problem with this, is we have uh, what's called, what R.C. Sproul will call, if I can find it here, uh, statistical morality. Here's his example. Example, we find out that a majority of teenagers are using marijuana. Okay, this is an ethical, right? Ethics. When then we come to the conclusion that at this point in history, it is normal for an adolescent in American culture to indulge in the use of marijuana. If it is normal, if it is what is happening, we deem it as right and good. So the statistical, it's statistical morality. Oh, this is what's happening? Oh, that must be what's good. Do you you see that? Are you following? So the is, it describes, it's indicative. If I can use some, some of these, it's, it's, it's indicative, it, descri- it, it describes, um, it just says what is. So this is what's happening. Okay? Where ethics is saying what ought. Where morality is indicative, describing what is, ethics is imperative. Okay? Telling me what I ought to do. What is my duty before the Lord? Do you catch the slight, do you, do you catch the difference? Are you seeing that? So are you saying that morality is subjective then? Say again? Are you saying that it's subjective? Like, so, so it's, it's based like, on like what the cultural culture is saying? Right. So the statistical morality is this idea of subjective morality. Okay. Right. We would say that ethics, if ethics is the standard, that is the objective. It is, it is, it is objective standard where is is, the, the morality is indicative, it is perhaps subjective. Um, <clears throat> so, normative, ethics is normative. So you hear, sometimes you hear norms. So it's normative, tells me what I ought to do, tells me my duty. Um, and again, all those ethical theories that I was telling you about at the beginning, I mean, they, they would all talk about what is the standard, but their standard is, you know, is the greatest good for the greatest number. That's the standard. If I, am I achieving the greatest good for the greatest number? 
what we want to be doing is what is what is our standard as believers? What is our standard from Scripture? Uh, so you, you just might get this relationship where ethics is ought, is normative, is imperative. Mor- mor- morality is is, the isness of something. Uh, and it's descriptive or indicative. All right. So just some clarification on that. Um, a couple other uh, just glossary terms. Um, virtue. I've mentioned this a little bit earlier. Virtue. How, how would you define virtue? It's kind of a, you, you kind of know what it is, but it's hard to like. What, what actually is virtue? I use the example of an honor, person who's honorable. What are virtues? Okay, honesty, integrity, honor, honor. What? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Oh. Fruit of the Spirit, right? <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience. Okay, so you have, sometimes you have moral, they'll differentiate sometimes between moral virtue and non-moral virtue. Uh, so a non-moral virtue would be... Um, where this kind of, it sort of uh, blends in sometimes because I think all of life is before God, quorum Deo. But um, hardworking, right, work ethic. Uh, it's not necessarily moral, although I think God calls us to be hardworking, so then it becomes uh, moral virtue. So, But virtue, um, let's define it this way. Are those character traits that are worthy, that are praiseworthy, that are worthy of praise? In some way, um, Paul, yeah. To, to take virtue as as a standard that is recognized, as opposed to values mm-hmm. that we construct as mm-hmm. we go along, either individually or corporately, there seems to be a huge difference between values and virtue. Yeah, and it gets to the standard. It gets to either objective or subjective, right? And that's, that's actually part of David Wells's argument in his book that we've gone from virtue, a virtuous society, to values society. And values, like, uh, what are you talking about? It becomes very squishy and um, lacks objectivity. Um, Good. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so this is what I want to do. So we've kind of worked through some thoughts about some, some different concepts that involve ethics, concepts that involve morality, Let's define, I'm going to use an in-class, here's, so here's our in-class definition, okay? And I, I, it's, not, it's not new with me, I took it straight from the textbook here. But here's what I, I, I'll read it to you several times so you can get it. So our class definition for ethics is going to be this, and I'll ask you about it next week. I'll quiz you. Not, not, not really. Here it is. What does the whole Bible teach about which acts, attitudes, and personal character traits are pleasing to God and those that are not? Okay. What does the whole Bible teach about which acts, attitudes, and personal character traits are pleasing to God and those that are not? So there are three key words in that definition. Acts, attitudes, personal character traits. What are pleasing to God and what are... What does the Bible tell us those acts, attitudes, 
personal character traits that are pleasing God and those that are not. What do you find interesting even in that definition? Anything? It removes all the nebulousness of like kind of like ethical language. It's just like straight from the Bible and like this language that can hide or, or make it hard to understand. It's just like yeah. whatever, the, okay. whatever God says in the Bible. Yeah, okay, and so you're getting to something that I think is, is important, because where does the definition start? What does the Bible say? What does the whole Bible say about acts? So when you think about ethics and you think about morality, most of the time we think about action, doing the right thing. What am I doing or not doing? But this definition goes beyond that. What acts attitudes and personal character traits. Now, now we're actually getting pretty deep, right? Now, now we're talking about attitudes and character, not just action. I go back to my question, is doing the right thing the only thing? Because God would require more of us than just right action. Right? Uh, but what attitudes of the, of the mind, attitudes of the heart, Character of all things. This is a character issue. Ethics is a character issue uh, as well. So what acts, uh, or I'm sorry, what does the whole Bible teach about which acts, attitudes, personal character traits receive God's approval or what please God and which do not? Any clarification on that? Jay. Well, it also gets at the purpose of why you have ethics. Okay. It's for the, the pleasure of God, the glory of God. Okay. So you're jumping ahead. Very good. You're, you're already on top of it. We're going to get to that. Why ethics? Or, I mean, what's the goal, of, the ultimate goal of ethics? Is obedience, to please God. Because of the relationship that I have in covenant, because if I have been given a new heart, my desires, I have new affections. Right? And so I want to please. I mean, I do. There are days that I don't. But I want to please my Lord, right? Yeah. Um, and so working through that, that's why I talked about my own sanctification. We're thinking about ethics. This is, a, this is just, we're just getting into obedience and sanctification in some of this. Becoming more like Christ, yeah. right? And, and isn't, isn't the heart of this, uh, the cross changes everything. You know, Christ and ethics. You know, it's not a, an add-on. That's the heart of it, you know. And so he says, love one another as I have loved you. Right. So there's something that happens in the incarnation, the sacrifice of Christ, that shapes or transforms ethics. So you can't take that part out and still have something that honors the whole Bible. Yeah. A lot of the, a lot of the work that we do in applied ethics is thinking about the lordship of Christ over all things. Right? He, he is creator and sustainer of all things. And so how do we think through all of these ethical choices that are, we're confronted with and these, the, the big heavy hitters that we kind of think about when we think about ethics? But under the lordship of Christ, what does that look like? And so, yeah, the, the cross changes everything. Um, his lordship changes everything. Um, and uh, so, 
I, uh, I think this is interesting. This is not a definition, but this is kind of another a quote uh, that came from, from the textbook here. The study of ethics is a study of the amazingly, listen to this, the amazingly good moral standards given by the living God and of the remarkable, do we even think this way, of the remarkable blessings of living in obedience to His commands. The study of ethics is a study of the amazingly good moral standards given by the living God and the remarkable blessing of living in obedience to his commands. Okay. Um, so here's what I want to, I kind of want to end uh, here in the next five, six minutes. That's our definition of ethics. What is the study of ethics? Let's begin the next question, why should we, and we begin, we've started to talk about this already, but why should we study ethics? Why should a Christian be especially concerned about ethics? So we'll do some work in, um, what was our opening verse that we read? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? We'll start there. Um, loving God. So I want you to turn to First John 5. Uh, let's just start in verse 1. 1 John 5, 1. All right. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ uh, has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. John, and you don't have to turn there, uh, John, we're not there yet in, the, in our preaching series through the Gospel of John, but John chapter um, 14, verse 15 says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, now follow the relationship. We start the class with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Okay? Loving God. We're getting really far for you guys over there, sorry. Loving God. But what did we just what did I just read in John 14, 15? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So keeping the commandments. And then what did we read in uh, 1 John 5, 3? His commandments are not burdens. Did you see that? You just see? so we love God. <coughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But my commandments are not burdensome. And that's a challenge sometimes. 
to see the commands of God and to recognize them as good and not burdensome and life-giving uh, and not legalistic, uh, but good for our good, for his glory. If you love me, so love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you love me, you'll keep my commands, but my commands are not burdensome. There's this relationship to loving God and the commands and knowing that the commands that he gives are for our good. Um, let me do, you, you kind of know Romans 12 too. We're, we're, again, we're asking the larger question, why, why study ethics? Why should Christians be especially concerned? First of all, to love God and to obey him. Second, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may, here's an interesting word, discern what is the will of God and how is this will, God's will described. What is good and acceptable and perfect. His commands are not burdensome. In fact, they're good, acceptable, and perfect. What is the will of God? Do you, do you see this? So why study? Why should we as Christians be especially concerned? So we, because we love our Lord and we want to obey. His commands are not burdensome. But we want to be able to discern. We want to be able to make good choices. We want to make, make good decisions. Um, and so we need to discern, have our minds renewed. Uh, I'll end here, Philippians 1. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. There's that word again. So that you may approve what is excellent and pure and blameless. Do you hear these moral terms? Uh, good, acceptable, perfect, excellent, pure, blameless. So you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we are chiefly concerned with ethics, being ethical people. And that our morality, that our behavior conforms to the standard. So, I'm going to, we'll, we'll end here uh, for this week. Next week we'll do a little bit of review. I'll ask you what is the definition of ethics. I'm really not, I'm really not trying to be, it's, it's all good. It's just relax. It's no tests, no quizzes, but... Um, I want it to become part of who we are, right? I want us to think through it. I want it to be applicable. So live it out. Um, and uh, we'll pick up a little bit more why we should study ethics, and then we'll get into the very uh, basis of ethics um, and ultimate authorities. Okay? So let me pray for us, and uh, then you can be dismissed. Our Father, we're grateful for this uh, again this morning. It goes fast. There's uh, so much to cover, but thankful for just a time to begin to think about these things, to be reminded of uh, your calling on our lives as our Lord. How shall we live? How shall we um, become more like you in our actions and our attitudes and even in our character as you conform us more to the image of Christ? In our growth, would you help us? We need your help. We cannot do this in our own strength. We do not want to do this in our own strength. So pray your blessing on these ones here. Um, help them this week in all of their work, their relationships, 
um, all that they have that you have set before them in your providence. Lord, that we would indeed love you with all of our heart and soul and mind. And we would love our neighbors, whether it's our brothers and sisters here in this room, in this church, family, um, even our actual neighbors in our neighborhood and our co-workers. So we um, need you um, every moment of every day. Bless uh, next hour here as we go to worship. Pray that we would, it was still our, you would just calm our hearts, still our hearts, that we would enter into worshiping you in song, in hearing your word, and prayer, and preaching. So, bless we ask, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.